This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada has been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years. With their up-and-running program, you can access eBay's 180-plus million buyers in 190 countries around the world. With up-and-running, there are no listing fees on up to 200 listings per month, and you only pay fees when you sell. As part of the eBay community, you get real-time advice and inspiration and access to powerful selling tools and insights. Go to ebay.ca forward slash up and running, stay local, and sell global. Welcome to Canada's podcast, the number one podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Hi, this is Angela Barnard coming to you from Canada's podcast today with Jose Azaras, the founder of Nidim. And I'm super excited because they are a reasonably startup company, but just deployed their sort of user experience over the last couple of weeks. So uh, that's changed from when I first started talking to you, Jose, which is you were really just building and finding companies to work with. So it's an exciting time to be launching with you right at this time. You can tell us a little bit about your experience. But let's start with a little bit about who you are. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Jose and your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I, I was born in Venezuela. I was born in South America. So um, immigrated to Canada back in 2008. I actually went to Montreal to actually do my master in engineering and that's basically where an entrepreneurial uh, journey started right so um, after finishing my master in engineering I actually went to work with the uh, Sankor Energy because I knew that before doing becoming an entrepreneur I needed to get that um, corporate experience for me to get that structure and that discipline that you need as, a, as an entrepreneur so worked with Sankor Energy for five years loved it great experience great company but then after that I decided okay I have the, the structure I have the discipline so now what I needed was actually the business knowledge, okay? So what most people, I guess most people sometimes don't get is that when you come from a, from a country like Venezuela, you know, you're not exposed to all this sophisticated business uh, mentality because our economy there is not as sophisticated as the one in Canada, Europe, or uh, the States. So that was my next step as an entrepreneur. So after getting the structure and discipline, I decided to actually go back to McGill University and do my MBA. So I could get that business skills that I needed because uh, I wasn't really level, you know, with uh, people at my own age. You know, I need to get that boost. So I went to McGill, did one year there, and then did another year at UT in Texas. And that actually gave me the confidence when it came down to business, you know, and strategy and marketing for me to launch my first business, and which was basically, it was a technology company for the oil and gas industry, since that's where I came from. I created a a SaaS product, you know, for oil and gas uh, companies that uh, dealt with uh, pre-commissioning and turnover activities. So did that while I was doing my MBA, went, went really well, did it for a year. And then after a year, I decided that it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then decided to <laughs> launch a restaurant brand, you know, very different from the previous. Uh, <laughs> no so, kidding. Yeah, I know. So when oil and gas, then when a SaaS tech. product, tech, yeah. and now I went to a restaurant a brand. And the reason why I did that is because I wanted to do something a little more down to earth. You know, when you're dealing with technology, you're basically dealing with a coding, dealing with all this kind of stuff. And I wanted to do something with my hands. So that's the reason why I actually went to do a restaurant brand, something that I could do on my own. Just so you know, I'm not a technical founder by any means. So yeah, so I went to do a restaurant brand. I founded a Regrub in Calgary back in 2015. Regrub is a, basically a boutique, a, a burger shop, very creative, very innovative, and very quirky. 
And since 2015, we actually grew the, the brand to three locations. And yeah, so that was basically my next uh, entrepreneurial journey after I did that uh, technology company for the oil and gas. So did that for basically until January 2019. Yeah, grew the company to basically those three locations, did really well. We found, I actually set up a, um, a management team. And in January 2019, I decided to move on from that uh, venture. I loved it, but uh, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to basically push myself as an entrepreneur and decided to move on and use the previous experiences that I had, the technology experience Absolutely. and the hospitality experience and the passion that I have for uh, social impact and combine that all together and see what I could come up with. So April 2019, I decided to go and do an incubator in Copenhagen, in Denmark. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I did an incubator with a singular university mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley. So they have a, something called the GSP, which is the Global Startup Program. So they choose entrepreneurs throughout the world that are looking to attack a social issue, right? Like a global issue. So mm -hmm. applied for it, got accepted. I went to do an incubator in Copenhagen for a month and a half, and then another month and a half in Silicon Valley. And that's where Needham was actually founded. So that's basically the whole thing. Now, I'm a little bit curious about uh, Singular University because I know of it. Is that, uh, it's, is that a Peter Diamandis project? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So, of yeah. course, I'm a huge Peter Diamandis fan. Yeah. You know, anybody who hasn't read Bold or something, you know, and, and know of SpaceX, right? Yeah, exactly. You should be. But tell me, can you just share a little bit about that experience? Only because I want to live vicariously through you a little yeah, bit. Here. I can just put it in <laughs> one phrase. It was awesome. Okay. Like, it was really, yeah. it was, uh, like, I always tell people that in your life, you have some inflection points. Mm -hmm. Inflection points that basically take you to a different level, intellectually, spiritually, or however you want to mm -hmm. call it. So yeah, the Singular University was definitely an inflection point for me as an entrepreneur. It allowed me to see emerging technologies in a different way. Okay, that's basically okay. what Singular University is all about. It's about basically exposing you to emerging technologies and see how you can leverage those emerging technologies, not just to create a business, but to create a business that can actually have a very social impact or a very global yes. impact. So that's hands down the program itself and the people in the in the program were just it was just amazing so uh, what social impact was on your bucket list as you applied for that incubator inclusion i always been a big uh, uh, i won't say i'm not a, i don't like putting labels to on myself you know like i won't call myself an activist i just i'm, a, I'm obsessed with inclusion okay just because of the fact that um, i'm a i'm a i'm an immigrant here in canada you know, right. my parents were an immigrant back in Venezuela. My parents were not from Venezuela. They were from Chile. So that, DN, that is in my DNA. And right. I've seen a lot of unfairness and issues when it comes down to inclusion in the workplace. And with Regrup, with the a, a local boutique burger shop, we actually, we did that really well. 25 to, 20 to 30% of our workforce, they come from vulnerable communities. So basically intellectually, physically challenged, new Latin immigrants, veterans, refugees. And we found that it actually changed the culture of the company. That's basically what I wanted to do. I wanted to create a way for companies to, so we can encourage companies to be more inclusive, you know, so their workplace could be more inclusive. And I found that the biggest issue why companies are not inclusive or cannot be inclusive is because they're busy with their business. If you're a yes. restaurant owner, yes. you don't really have the time to actually be inclusive because you're on the go all the time, right? 
Right. And also because the, the reality is that some, some of these uh, vulnerable communities, they do require extra training and extra accommodations. Like myself, when I new landed in Canada, I didn't know English as well. So I had to spend more time training. And normally what happens, we put that burden onto the employer. Right. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to basically find a way how to digitalize the training experience so we could basically make the training accessible to the vulnerable communities. And we can put basically the ownership on them. If you want a job, if you want to get nice. out there, let's give you what you need in order in order for, in order for you to in order in order to empower you. Don't go to the employer and uh, put yes. the burden on them. So that's basically the whole idea. That's how Needham started. So basically, with that moonshot, how can I democratize right. employment opportunities so everybody can have access to the to the training experience? And you've gone from the idea of inclusion to personal empowerment right? In, in a business setting. So I love it. So I just want to jump in just because I'm, to, again, totally intrigued about uh, Neom. And I'm just going to, for fun, because I've got your website open, I'm just going to screen share yeah. for, and just, so as I scroll through your website, could you just tell us, give us a snapshot of how, how it works? Yeah. So basically how it works is that what we do in order for us to create these immersive training modules is that we leverage on virtual reality technologies and 360 degree imaging. So imagine Google Maps, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows Google Maps, right? Okay. So imagine if we, if we were creating an immersive training module, let's say for McDonald's or for Tim Hortons, where you can actually train in the store, not gamify, not digitalize, it's actually you're in the store. It's like a 360 degree image of the store and basically what you're doing, you're interacting with people in it. So as soon as a client comes in, the client will say, hey, how are you? And then you reply back. So basically we're simulating the job. Instead of actually reading a PDF that you have no idea, when you read a PDF, when you read a job post, when you read a something in Indeed, you have no idea. You're just reading words, right? Yes. Like takes the guessing out of the picture. So it's wow. the same thing that what happened with the pilots, you know, pilots back in the 80s, the way that they trained it was with simulators, right? Basically, we just took the, the same principle. We said, how come only pilots have access to simulators? Why can't we just create a simulator to any job out there? You know, I'll ask you one question. If you were to go into a plane, did you question the pilot whether he's going to take off or land? <laughs> of course you don't. You just assume that he now has the skills to do it. Because you know that he's being simulated. You know that he has so many hours of simulation before, not even for, also for dealing with issues. The same idea happens with this. Now all of a sudden what we're doing, we're actually giving people the, the opportunity to train, 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 and get hours of experience to that specific job before they start their work. That way when they go to, for the first day of work, you know, they're not intimidated. They have a pretty good idea on how they have to be here and how they have to work. I love it. Now you, we talked a little bit that, um, you know, hospitality was your breakthrough industry, which is a great, great terminology. I can totally envision. Uh, I mean, I think I saw in that video that it was regrub, right? That one of the locations, which is very cool. I spent many years in the hospitality industry myself all through university. And, uh, I can say that, and it was at the keg, right? So again, they had super hard systems, you know, we were, we timed and it was, it was intense. But it was also resilience training as far as dealing with people and understanding systems, you know, how frontline worked with backline, things like that. Are some of those concepts involved in your training modules? Yeah, yeah. So the, the great thing about our training modules is that they're very flexible. You know, like right now we're doing modules 
for onboarding, you know, just mm-hmm. basically to give an idea. So for example, if you have a, if you're a new, like a new graduate and you, you want to start working at the keg and you have no idea about what the keg is. So we're actually doing uh, some onboarding modules about basically introducing the, the, the new hire to what the company is all about, you know, to their yes. employee tools, to basically their policies, you know, so it's not as dry as the um, PDF or the peer to peer training. We're doing modules just for onboarding. We're doing modules for the front of the house, you know, how for customer service. We're doing modules for line cooking. So the modules can actually be applied to any role. Well, can you share a little bit about your business model? That's always my intrigue. I just love, you know, how people set things up. So is it for, like, is there a consumer buy-in or is it corporate buy-in or a little bit of both? Yeah, so we're a B2B uh, company. So basically the way it works is that... um, we create the modules for the business. Uh, the user is the business itself. Basically, they pay for the development fee, you know, so for them to create the module. So they pay an upfront fee for them to create the module itself. Okay, the, the fee is uh, only $500. And what we do, we actually create the module. We actually go into the store, we do the immersive content creation, we do the audio recording, and then we code everything so they can have a um, fully deployable module. And then we have a subscription fee in which Basically, it allows them to share the module via our platform to any new hire or any uh, staff member that they have. It allows them to basically give credentials to the new hire, to the new user, so they can basically go into the dashboard and click on the module. If, if they want that person to do the module for onboarding in front of the house, they'll be able to log in and do the module for onboarding in front of the house. And it also allows them to, um, give that, uh, get, to get data analytics about the, how the new hire is interacting with the module. And then the, the trainee experience is, I mean, I just saw on your website, the little, you know, AI goggles. Is it literally 3D? Like is the yeah. experience 3D? Yeah, it's immersive. So the great thing also about our technology is that although we're leveraging on virtual reality technologies, it's immersive. You know, if you, when you do it, you're in the store, you're like basically looking around, but we, our modules are deployable not only with VR headsets, they're deployable in any device. So you can do the same module on your laptop, desktop, mobile device, so, and you'll have the same immersive experience. So basically, when, if you're doing it on the laptop, you can basically move it so you can, you're in. And the reason why we did that is because when we did some research about VR, we found that the penetration rate for VR headsets nowadays is less than 1%. So why, why would we build a module that we know people will not get access to because they don't have the VR headsets in their house. Right. What we did, the modules are VR, they're immersive, but they don't have, you don't have to have the VR headsets in order for you to experience that. So that's a, one of the innovative approaches that we have in our solution. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is powering Canadian small businesses. Go to ebay.ca forward slash up and running to open your new global e-commerce business. And then ultimately, we'll all have a pair of VR glasses, I'm sure, in our <laughs> or Google glasses, right? There you go. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was discussed at uh, Singular University, was it? Yeah, yeah. It? So it's actually it's funny that you mentioned that because that's the reason why we decided to do it that way. You know, you can still do it with the VR headset. So if you put a VR headset, you can actually go and take the module. But uh, we know, like right now, not people don't have that in their house. But Apple actually, they just bought a VR company, I think, like one or two months ago. And I have the intuition or the gut feeling that in two more years, a big company, either Apple, Samsung or something, they're going to come up with a mainstream VR uh, headset or uh, glasses 
-hmm. that is basically going to make ABR mainstream. A couple more questions about Needham before I, I move on to trends, because I think you might have a lot of information there. But, you know, we started with hospitality. You, you've got retail as another sector that's onboarding. Yep. I, I just have to ask the question, right? We're in a bear economy. We're, we're, we're coming out of this, create, this strange COVID time um, where those two industries are, you know, bit ground to a halt. How has that affected your business, not just today, but where you see it going in the next, say, two years? Great question. Being honest with you, you know, when everything happened, I thought at that point, okay, I thought, okay, no, it's not going to work. You know, like Needham, it doesn't have, because at that point, the hospitality industry crashed. You know, and me being a business owner, you know, I'm actually experiencing this right now, right? I still right. own Regrup, right? And retail, the same thing. But actually what I found is that it actually was the other way around because now companies, as they're reopening, they're yes. not hiring one or two people. They're hiring 10, 15, ah. you know? So what happened is that the way that they were onboarding and training people before did not make any sense, you know, for mm -hmm. that type of a onboarding and training. So what it did, it actually made our product very relevant. Actually, 10 of the 80% of the businesses that we signed up right now, we signed up in the last two months. And yes. the reason is, is because they found that our product can actually is very relevant. It's very effective, you know, for how things are being done right now. And even adding, you know, like social distancing, you know, by you sharing the module in advance before the new hire comes on board, you're mitigating, you're decreasing the amount of time that you're training that person physically. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're basically mitigating the exposure that you're having on that person and on your team. Just quick uh, disclosure on that. You know, like most people, we're not trying to replace training. Okay, we're just trying to leapfrog the process. That's one main thing that I always tell people because they think, oh, say, I don't want to have a robotic training. No, no, no. Actually, we find that this is actually empowering, empowering new hires to come ready with better questions and more relevant questions about the company. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's really just that background check. And, and um, I see huge opportunity there. Is, are there any industries that you think will pop out at, in the next couple of years for you as a sector that you hadn't really thought of before? Yeah, so manufacturing is one. So manufacturing will okay. be one. Uh, logistics, okay, like uh, companies like uh, Amazon or Walmart. Right, you know, like, yes. On the back end. Then edtech, educational technology is a huge thing. So imagine, you know, a university that has a, basically an online course, you know, like a video, like an e-learning. E-learning has shown that their engagement is 10 to 15%. Why? Because you click on the button and you just go around, right? And yes. you just do the test. So EdTech, I think, is going to be huge uh, for us because all of a sudden we're allowing a very uh, higher engage, uh, like a different engaging, um, a different medium for um, transferring knowledge and that is more interactive. The engagement rate for immersive training is 85% in comparison to 10 or 15%, right? And... Right. They'll, they'll, the, the fact that it's hands-on. So with the thing with e-learning is that you're not really interacting with anything. You're just watching. With immersive, you're interacting. So I think EdTech yes. will be a huge uh, industry for us later on. I see some huge opportunities for you there. Okay, let's jump to just because I just need to go back to that uh, emerging technologies concept. Is um, Could you give us two or three emerging technologies that you experienced it? singular university that uh, all business owners and entrepreneurs should really be aware of and try and onboard in the next, yeah. say, five years? When I say AI, everybody talks about AI. AI is just bigger than what people think. 
So I'm more about ML, like machine learning. Okay. So I think every, every company should find a way how to integrate that into their business. Okay, nowadays, business owners or companies, they need to basically use data to actually make better decisions, right? But data can be very cumbersome. You know, like you have a lot of information coming to you. So if you leverage or empower ML in your company, then you'll be able to create a, basically like a filter, okay? You'll be able to actually uh, get the data that you need and allow that those ML technologies to make decisions for you or to screen this uh, data for you, okay? So that's mm -hmm. huge. So I think right. any company nowadays um, will have to embrace that. And their company is already doing that, you know, like uh, in daily basis, you know, like Amazon, you know, that's the reason how you know what, they, what you want, you know, they <laughs> So that's actually one big thing that a company should be embracing right now. And the other one is actually, it's a good question. I think, I don't want to come, I don't want to come across as biased because I am biased, you know, like. We I, all are, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so I will call virtual reality slash immersive. Okay. okay. There's a big, there's a big, big misconception about virtual reality. Okay. People, when you tell them about virtual reality, they think about gaming. They think about these bulky headsets, right. all of that. But that's just one technology, okay? So VR, virtual reality can be many, many things, you know? So that's the reason why I call it VR slash immersive. So embracing immersive technologies for basically for training, for customer service. You know, we're actually talking right now for a company, you know, with a spinning uh, company in Calgary that is thinking about actually uh, creating an immersive uh, module for their clients. It doesn't have to be only employee facing. It can be client facing. You sign up for a spinning class. If you've never done spinning, you go into the class very intimidated. You have no I mean, idea. It's spinning, like bike riding spinning, like yeah. that really painful spinning yeah. experience. Yeah. yeah. So most of the people, they're actually intimidated by it because when they go in, they never seen a spinning bike. What we're trying to do, we're trying to do a, basically a, an immersive uh, module that allows them to come ready for the first day of a uh, training so they don't feel like an imposter. So they right. feel ready because they're already done. So I think virtual reality and immersive can be another great technology that companies can embrace and they can embrace it from many different facets, you know, employee training, a customer facing, you know, many, many different ways. Absolutely. Super wow. cool. Now you're based in Vancouver. Jose, yeah. tell me a little bit about, uh, well, first of all, how did you end up, was it your family that decided to move here or did you make that decision yourself? Yeah, no, my family moved here. He moved to Montreal. Okay. So right. he, my, 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 my parents are actually entrepreneurs themselves. So they moved to Montreal and I moved there a, a couple of years after they moved there. And then how did you venture west to uh, Vancouver? Ah, I guess serendipity. You know, like I know it sounds... Uh, <laughs> so I'm a big believer that you have to move around. You know, like the world is too big for mm -hmm. you to get fixated to one location. Uh, so yeah, I moved to Montreal because I graduated there. So I had my engineering yeah. background there. So went to Calgary or Alberta because that was a mecca for engineers. You know, that's where all the big projects were happening. So moved to Alberta because of work and then moved to Vancouver because I'll be honest, I just love the, uh, the vibe here. You know, the, the city is a great city. It's supernatural here in BC, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, can you give me a little bit of insight on how the climate here in, in British Columbia or Vancouver uh, impacts your business, either challenges or opportunities? Yeah, so a quick, a quick disclosure, you know, I just moved to Vancouver back in March or so pre-COVID. So I lived in, in Vancouver back in 2010. Okay. 
So I yep. don't have a lot of um, background, but just from Marsh, you can see that the startup community is actually very supportive. You know, like uh, just by, I was actually talking with my neighbor, you know, my neighbor, he's an entrepreneur on his own. And as soon as he knew what I was doing and he knew that we were raising funds, he said, Jose, I'm going to contact you with uh, five, six people. And out of those five, six people, we actually get a lead. So I found that it's right. very tight. And also one of the reasons why I also moved to Vancouver is because the impact investing community here is a very big, you know, like when you come, when it comes down to venture capital, there's different sections. So impact investing is the one that we're looking at, you know, because we have that social good side. Yeah. And Vancouver is actually one of the leaders uh, in Canada and in North America when it comes down to impact investing. So that's actually one of the reasons too. Interesting. Well, and I'd love to talk more about impact investing, um, but I think that's another podcast. But have you been, have you, are, are you in the fundraising stage yourself? Yeah, okay. right now we're in the process of, we're raising our seed round, you know, for us to actually increase our growth. Yeah, so we're in that process right now. Okay, great. Well, and I mean, if impact investing is a, is a pathway to get you leads, let's assume that Canada's podcast is another great opportunity to get you leads. If you could wave a magic wand, what would you ask for right now? What would be a great result uh, or lead or contact after today? Someone that is excited about uh, tilting. I won't say disrupting, but tilting the industry. Tilting. Tilting. I have not heard that expression before. What does that mean? Meaning that you're going to basically make a dent. Okay, that you may not uh, completely change it, but make a dent. You know, so somebody else can see the dent and they can start making other dent. That's actually how I see the industry being disrupted. You know, it can be one company, but it can also be a group effort. So one person does a dent and then somebody else sees, oh, they made a dent. So I, I want to go. So that's basically how I see it. So somebody that wants to basically tilt a industry, in this case, HR tech, you know, by changing the way that people okay. are uh, being trained and onboarded, but that is passionate about uh, inclusion and diversity in the workplace. For us, it's not just about uh, money. We want somebody that is uh, excited about uh, not just tilting the HR tech, but also the inclusion side. Perfect. And just out of curiosity, how do you keep abreast of sort of trends and modern, what in your network of, of people? Are there any, you know, periodicals or, or media that you resource at a regular basis or a professional group that you're associated with? Not really. I'll be honest with you. I just get all my resources with people, with friends. So I, actually, right now we have a, a very good advisory board in, for Needham. So we got basically, we have the two co-founders of Mealshare. So they're part of our advisory board. So I talk to them every week, every couple of weeks. And we talk about trends. We talk about uh, things that I should be reading and vice versa. We just onboarded the, one of the co-founders for Famoso. So the same idea. So I try to have a, a close a social circle that I, that I can uh, learn from and also that they can learn from me and reading. I'm always basically online just looking for any type of book, you know, you can um, business, organizational, spiritual. So that's basically where I get most of my trends. Absolutely. And is there anything that you can think of that uh, you'd like to share with the group? I, I, I would like to just announce, just because we talked about it pre this podcast, but that you've onboarded one new big client. And, and keeping in mind that you're only kind of two weeks into launching the, you know, the consumer experience. So tell me a little bit about your, your big win over the last few weeks. 
I guess the big win is that it's, um, we've been able to, we, we've managed to sign uh, basically 10 clients in a matter of uh, three months, you know, for something so unique or so different for right. the training. We, we were able to manage it. We were able to sign 10 companies going from big groups in the Alberta region. So we have basically okay. restaurant groups that have different brands. Uh, going through major uh, national brands, like for example, the Canadian Brew House. You know, the Canadian Brew House is one of our partners, and we're deploying their module next week. We also um, sign Noble House Hotels. It's like a great uh, North American hotel chain, not only in Canada but in in the states. We mm -hmm. sign Nova Cannabis, which is owned by Alcana. It's a premium retail uh, company. So just that's our big win. The fact that we're not only awesome. we're signing we're signing big uh, companies that are that believe on the new approach that we have to onboarding and training. Well, you have a fantastic story and huge amount of energy, Jose. So it would be hard not to be totally magnetized to to Needham. So I wish you all the best, and uh, we look forward to sharing with your story more on Canada's podcast. Awesome! Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada eBay Canada is here to help. They've been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years, and their up-and-running program is getting Canadian businesses online today. Visit ebay.ca forward slash up-and-running. Stay local and sell global with eBay.